Good morning, patriots. You are listening to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today I'll talk about a different angle on moving the populism, Trump movement, whatever you want to call it, forward. We'll talk about Democrats going back on their word in terms of challenging certified elections. And we'll finish up with how Democrats think they are not embracing socialism. All next on Living with Liberty. Today's show might be a bit of an interesting dichotomy in terms of ideas and maybe some of my past shows on topics and positions I've put forth. Um, I think it'll get us all thinking, though. I, some of the material I've picked out today certainly got me thinking about things in a different way. I hope it does uh, the same for you as we jump into the show today. Our identity is as Americans, plain and simple. I've mentioned it before, and I am sure going to mention it again. We need to identify as Americans. This will be an important point to remember as we go into the first segment of today's show. As I mentioned, it'll be a little interesting, I think, for any all of you that are listening out there today. We are going to need to drop our preconceived notions and labels for each other if we want to have any reasonable expectations of res- wrestling our country back from the Uniparty. We are going to need to unify, as Americans, under the common principles of our Constitution, to move our country back to the moderate beacon of hope, freedom, and liberty it has been for so many years, for well over two centuries now. It's going to take a combination of playing the zero-sum game of the establishment, not just the left, it's the establishment. They're all playing a zero-sum game as it relates to their power and we the people. And it's also going to take uh, us realizing our common thread is as Americans and that we need to reject all identity politics and attempts by our politicians to pit us against one another over things that don't matter. The disenfranchisement with the electorate isn't limited to one party over the other. People on both sides are fed up with both parties and their lack of representing the true wishes of the people. This is why we must put aside our partisan differences, which if we're honest with ourselves and we took a poll of those who are really, you know, moderate and value the Constitution and uh, liberty and the freedom that we've had in this country, I think we'd find that our differences, whether you know, somewhat on the right or somewhat on the left aren't all that different together and that we should work together to break the uniparty machine. I've done a couple shows on how our best course of action is to take over the Republican Party, push out the establishment, and claim it as an America First Party. I have an American greatness piece here that puts a spin on that idea, but it's going to require taking off our partisan hats and think about things big picture and in a different light. It's going to require us to think in terms of what our overall objective is 
and what do we need to do to accomplish that objective? We are going to have to think about what are the few big things that matter and what is the best way to accomplish them. The article is titled, Biden Wants Unity? Give it to him good and hard by Ruth Papazian. The premise of the article is that the populists that are spread amongst several parties should band together under the Democrat Party and give Biden the unity he so desperately wants. The premise, I think, is interesting here. Certainly, as I opened up, it it piqued my interest, something that I think is worth exploration. So I say, you know what, go ahead and curse me out here for suggesting that we uh, maybe look at unifying under the Democrat Party. But after you're done with that, you know, let's put aside the partisan hats for a minute and all the preconceived notions we may have about really our Americans, our American friends on the other side that may just have a different opinion and hear me out on, on the points of this article here. The reality is most Americans land in the centrist or slightly right of center bucket. What we have allowed to happen is the marketing machines of the major parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, to convince us that we have to be one or the other, that we have major differences between us that are the dreaded and the dreaded irreconcilable differences. The other issue here is the Uniparty continues to push our country to the left. That's, again, the Democrats, the establishment Democrats, and the establishment Republicans. It's both. And it's largely because Congress doesn't want to do its job anymore. And our spineless elected officials aren't going to jeopardize their campaign donations from the large donors to do the will uh, of their elected of the electorate they they're not going to do the will of the deplorables that put them in office they're going to do all they can to protect their corporate donors keep that big money rolling in now we know big tech is heavily involved in politics now and it's run by communists and they have the money to throw around to these political candidates who are ready to do their bidding who have really no more weight to their principles than a leaf blowing in the wind. These are political candidates that are ready to throw the people that elect them under the bus for their almighty campaign funding dollar and who knows what else you know goes on in the swamp. This is why we the people, us Americans, the smelly Walmart shoppers and uneducated deplorables out there, need to put our partisan feelings aside. We need to quit letting the Uniparty continue to divide us, and we need to take a political party over as the populist party. Papazian suggests that this party, as I mentioned before, be the Democrat Party. And I must say, again, it, it, it's definitely a, a kind of a, a, a exercise for the mind, if you will, given just the partisan rhetoric and everything else we've seen over the last who knows how many years at this point. Now, when looking at the two parties, it may actually make sense from the aspect that the party of choice be the Democrat Party, as it is the one that has been hijacked by radicals 
and seems to be catering to the fringe. Now, in the article, uh, Papazian notes that there's a Gallup poll that was completed in mid-January of this year, 2021. And in that poll, it was revealed that 30% of Americans identify as Democrat, 24% as Republican, 45% as Independents. Now, among Independents, 51% identified as Democrats or lean Democrat, while 37% as either were uh, Republican or leaning Republican. Now, a word of caution here, I guess, is the best way to put it. These numbers are just a data point. Think of the timing, mid-January this year. And I think, you know, we just, it's a starting point in in the conversation. I don't know that Gallup has been, you know, a stellar pollster as of late. And I certainly think that with all that has gone on, there may be some people just not identifying as Republican right now. I do think that uh, the conservative movement is definitely bigger than, uh, you know, the the uh, numbers here put forth in this Gallup poll. Um, but I think it's a starting point for the conversation. So kind of with that said, this being the most recent intelligence, it would suggest that a majority, right now anyway, lean toward the Democrats. However, there is more than meets the eye with this data. Trump and populist parties, according to Papazian, have support from what may be viewed as unlikely sources. Those sources being the Green Party and Bernie Sanders voters. Now, if you think in 2016 and, you know, the the screw job that Bernie got from the Democratic Party, I call it screw job number one, there actually was one eighth or about 12 percent of Bernie supporters who voted for Trump after Sanders was shafted by the Democrats. And this is in states where Trump and Hillary were neck and neck, proving that this was not an isolated occurrence in March of this year. A poll by ABC News and the Washington Post revealed that 15% of Sanders supporting Democrats said they would swing to Trump instead of voting for Joe Biden. Now, why the swing of, you know, the Green Party and Sanders voters to Trump? It's something that I've said before, and I'm sure I'll say again, and I'm going to say again right now. Candidate and policy over party. You have a few out there that understand this. That's why we need to ditch the partisan hats and quit letting the marketing machines of the Uniparty tell us how divided we are. We we really aren't. And if we do our research and stick to candidate and policy over party, you'll you'll see this difference here. You'll, You'll see that there's actually more shared values and ideas than what might meet the eye Uh, and what the mainstream media would want you to believe. Now, if we look at this uh, between the Green Party and Sanders voters, there is shared interests and shared policies and positions on certain things. And those are the key, and they're big things for voters. Jill Stein, who ran on the Green Party ticket in 2016, had shared policy ideas with Trump. Things like, prosecuting Hillary Clinton over her email server. 
keeping and returning jobs to America. Things like getting out of bad trade agreements and getting out of and staying out of foreign wars and other countries' affairs. America First policies ring loud and clear with Americans of all political affiliations. Disrupting and breaking the establishment rings loud and clear with people of all political persuasions as well. Just ask a Bernie supporter how they and how they feel about the swamp. Stealing from Bernie twice. I have, we have one identity. We are all Americans, regardless of our political opinions. This is our country, and there are many with other political affiliations and viewpoints who love our Constitution and liberties as well and are willing to fight for it. It's not just a conservative topic. It's not just a conservative movement. It's a movement for anyone who hates what has happened and is happening to our country. We just don't hear about it uh, within the Democrat Party and within other smaller parties like Green or Libertarian because the lamestream media is in it only to protect the establishment. As much as they rail on, on the Republicans, the media, they're in it you know, somewhat too to protect that establishment in Uniparty, uh, that establishment part of the Uniparty. Papazian states in her article that hijacking the GOP has only been able to get populism so far. She's right. Think for a minute about the Tea Party. What happened to that movement? A lot of it was quieted and crushed by the Uniparty. Dems unleashed the federal government against it. And Republicans picked and chose what they wanted as far as messaging from the movement and quieted the rest of the dissent. Only when Trump came along did the message become loud and clear again and have a real champion. It seems that it's gained a lot more stain power under Trump. I think there are a lot more champions of a populist movement around now, and I think a lot of them have been uh, elected to Congress. I think of uh, uh, representatives like uh, Josh Hawley, and I, I tell you what, Marjorie Taylor Greene, whatever you might think of, of her, and she's certainly a a firecracker, no doubt, for this populist movement. Uh, yeah, the Dems really, they really, um, they probably should have kept her on her committees because she's got extra time now to be an extra big pain in their butts. You know, and I think it seems that that this populist movement has filtered somewhat down to the state levels as well. I think of just great governors like Christy Noem and, and Ron DeSantis and, and what they're doing, um, not only America first, but their state first. You know, there's the other thing of a big push to call a convention of the states. And from what I understand, my home state of Wisconsin will be hearing resolutions as early as this week on uh, passing legislation, putting our state uh, in in uh, firmly in uh, position to be a part or or to call that convention of the states. And this is an anti-established move, this calling a, a convention of, of the states. 
I mean, the states are fed up with the swamp. The people are fed up with the swamp and are looking uh, to gain their rightful sovereignty back granted by the Constitution to the states. And truthfully, it's not just red states working on Convention of States resolutions. There's, as I've stated in a previous show, there's a number of blue states that are uh, that have legislation or resolutions moving as well to call a convention of the states. I mean, this provides some hope of being able to get the convention of the states called and start reigning in the federal government. Papazian makes a point that I've uh, made also on other shows that our best bet is to hijack a mainstream party and move it toward populism. Now, where I've advocated completing the job within the GOP, she advocates, again, for it to be the Democrat Party. You know, interesting concept. Align all the populists that are now spread out amongst several other parties, including in the Democrat Party, get them all together, unified in the Democrat Party, and give Biden so much unity he doesn't know what to do with himself. <laughs> Though these days, and it's sad, he he really doesn't seem to know much of anything or what to do with himself as it is. It, it's really it's really painful to watch, but that's the truth. He's uh, he's obviously not fit. But that's another day and another topic. Ruth Papazian says aligning the populist movement under the Democrat Party solves several issues. First, it'll de-radicalize the Democrat Party and aligns it with more of their mainstream voters and really the all the mainstream voters. I want you to ask yourself this question. Are most Democrats even aligned with the radical fringe of the party? Or are Nancy and Chuck just bowing down to the big donors and pandering to what I view as largely a fringe movement within the party? Now remember, most Americans, generally speaking, are centrist in their views. It's in our nature, I think, to be in the middle. We value things like justice and liberty, which if I think about it, in my opinion, those things cannot thrive without having that centrist viewpoint, without being able to look at both sides of the issue and call it as best you can, you know, right down the middle and in line with where where justice would be served. The Democrats have caved to a loud fringe minority in their party, and that, that's the key there. It's a fringe minority. Your more moderate Democrats have figured this out and aren't really interested in the likes of AOC or her positions on certain things. The moderates saw enough with the route in the uh, House of Democrat uh, representatives in this last election cycle to know that any more of this social justice nonsense and socialism talk and socialism action will result in more lost seats for them. If all the America First denizens out there aligned under the Democrat Party, that would immediately push the social justice faction back to the fringe where it belongs. Papazian thinks that would then pull Schumer 
and Pelosi back to the center. Now, this one I don't know about. I guess it would depend on the expectation of the voters in, in, in their districts and states. They both tend to win their elections pretty handily, so they may not need to pull back to the center in that regard. But then again, uh, being the politicians they are and uh, having principles that are no more weightier than a leaf blowing in the wind, they may pull back to the center in the case of trying to get Democrats elected elsewhere in a more centrist to uh, in the in the more centrist to right-leaning districts and states. After what we've seen with this extreme leftward turn of the Democratic Party, eh, it's going to be a tough sell to elect Democrats in moderate districts if these two are still acting foolish and pushing the social justice nonsense and listening and catering to the likes of the AOCs of the world. You know, if it's fun to think about, we'll see what you know what comes of it. Um, it's going to be an interesting next couple of years here until the 2022 elections. We'll say that. Now, Papazian notes next that with a populist takeover of the Democrat Party, this would create a waning influence of the social justice warriors and make it impossible for them to hijack the party back. And with that, it would make it almost impossible to keep electing radicals at the local, state, and up to the federal level. A populist Democrat party might mean a return to more moderate policies on that side of the fence. And we would see this in in places that have no real GOP opposition now. It would mean that cities like New York or Los Angeles see an American first agenda play out with Democrats and return their cities to prosperity. I mean, those are are great cities that have just utterly been destroyed uh, and seems like it's accelerated in the last year. You know, more moderate policies and, and, and common sense ideals return, you know, we'll see a return to those the, the prosperity of those cities, maybe people come back. Now, lastly, Papazian notes that a populist takeover of the Democrat Party would mean that the social justice wing would not be able to advance their candidates past the primaries. Goes back to the point before where now you don't have those radicals in the primaries making it through and hopefully helps those big cities. And two, this, this may cause that Faction to leave the Democrat Party altogether. The social justice wing just up, up and leaves the Democrat Party. And they join the Democratic Socialist Party of America, where they probably belong. You know, truthfully, they're not there now because you've got Nancy and Chuck bowing down to their whims, and there's big money flowing in on, on you know, the woke ideology. You know, so they hijacked a, a major party. I, you know, it's really, you know, kind of getting back to it. If there's a lesson there on, on the conservative side that, you know, maybe we do the same thing. We hijack a party and and push the push them, you know, be loud and, and push them, you know, the moderates to, uh, down. But, I, you know, I think as, as conservatives, we tend to be 
more on the moderate side anyway. But, you know, there's, there's a lesson here uh, at any rate. You know, if you, if you look at it, if all American, America first populists aligned under the Democrat Party, it likely spends, spells the end of the GOP as a major player in American politics. What we would end up with is a clear choice on policies with an American first party in the Democrats, in the Democratic Party. And then you'd have that ideology-based Democratic Socialist Party. You truly have two separate and distinct choices at that point. You have, instead of picking between bad and less bad, let's call it, you would have something that uh, you would assume to be very solid and uh, very, uh, Amer- you know, obviously America first, but very solid on principle. And you could choose that or you choose something uh, out of, uh, I guess, Orwell maybe is the best way to put it, but ide- ideology based and not supported by any principle. And, you know, as soon as the wind blows, that house of cards is going to topple over. You'd have two clear and uh, distinct choices there. You know, we would no longer have the uniparty, as there would be a deep contrast in the policies and ideals between the America First Party and the Socialist Party. Now, what would this add up to? If we are honest, there really isn't much difference between the Democrat and Republican parties. Really, it's like McDonald's and Burger King. Both have crappy burgers. It's just, do you prefer one that's fried and microwaved, or do you like flame-broiled crappy burger? Yeah, same with the Uniparty. They both want to expand governmental power and their power. They just do it in different ways. And such, you know, is life. They diverge on a couple of issues for the sake of marketing and being able to use that marketing to divide the people and make us think that there's really big differences and a huge divide between us. In the end, we are getting either fried crap or flame-broiled crap. It's one and the same. The thought of hijacking the Democrat Party and aligning all America First supporters is an interesting thought, and the party would be bigger than either the Democrat as it is today the Republican Party, for sure, is if, if all America first uh, supporters aligned under one party, and like I said, the GOP would would be dead pretty much, and you know that party certainly would be bigger than any socialist party out there. It would certainly require different thinking on all of our parts to realize that the marketing managers of these parties of the Democrats and the Republicans are the real problem. They are the real problem here. It's not our fellow Americans. It's not those Americans that we have slightly differences in opinions with. Uh, I'm not talking about those that are sitting on the far ends, whether it be, uh, you know, the Antifa and BLM crowd, or we have our own on, on the conservative side with just how the Q movement is, has blown into full out conspiracy and in some cases here, you know, that I'm not talking about those folks. I'm talking about our everyday 
next door neighbor types who you may or may not talk politics. You, you, you may like them and then you end up being surprised. They might not be of the same political uh, persuasion as you. And you know what? That's okay. And if you didn't realize it then, and it really shouldn't matter once that comes to light. We're all Americans here. We need to unify as Americans who love liberty and freedom, regardless of political viewpoints. And that is how we are going to take our country back. It's how we're going to work to uh, have our country long term. If we don't, then we are doomed to this endless cycle of constantly being at each other for no good reason other than being manipulated by the marketing machine of the Uniparty. Moving on, I thought we weren't challenging election results. Democrats on the House Administration Committee ignored Republican objections to Democrat Rita Hart's challenge of Marionette Miller-Meeks election to represent Iowa's 2nd District. Miller-Meeks won the seat by six votes, which was confirmed by recount and certified by Iowa's election officials. Rita Hart didn't like the results and decided instead of pursuing whatever options she had under Iowa law, she just decided to take the challenge right to the House of Representatives. Now, mind you, uh, in this district, uh, there were 400,000 votes cast that were counted and recounted, and through the entire process, Miller Meeks never trailed. Hart brought the challenge based on 22 votes she claims were not counted that should have been. And that would make her the winner, according, uh, you know, according to her and her uh, complaint here. But I say again, I thought we weren't supposed to challenge certified election results. Now, if the Democrats go through with this and do end up unseating Miller Meeks, I don't think it ends well for them. I'm sure they will, because Democrats have a history of overreaching when they hold power of all three branches of government. So it's, it's almost a certainty they'll, they'll go through with this. You know, we see it in what they are trying to ram through now and in, in just the massive overreach they are uh, once again uh, going through or, 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 you know, trying to power grab. Now, unseating uh, an elected representative last happened in 1985 when Democrat, you guessed it, Democrat Tip O'Neill gave the go-ahead to toss out Republican Rick McIntyre, who had been seated, and he tossed him out in, in favor of Democrat Frank McCloskey to be Indiana's rep for their 8th district. That battle is widely thought of as the start of today's hyper-partisanship in Congress. Now, if Miller Meeks isn't seated as Iowa's representative, Democrats will likely be setting themselves up for an even bigger route in 2022. Now, a race this close, I would say it behooves Democrats to leave it alone and go back in 2022 and try to get the seat back. You're only talking about six votes here. It was 
ultra close out of 400,000 cast. But being blinded by their power-hungry ways, Democrats will likely move ahead with the challenge, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see Miller Meeks tossed out as a rep for Iowa's 2nd District. Democrats live in the now, not in what might be good for the future, for them in the future even, when they're making their decisions. If they remove Miller Meeks, I would expect Iowans to not be happy with that decision, I think, on either side, whether whether you voted for Miller Meeks or not. I mean, you get the House of Representatives tossing her out. Uh, What's that say about your vote? I wouldn't be happy with that, and I would expect Iowans to not be happy with that decision either, no matter what their political persuasion is. And I would expect them uh, and expect Miller Meeks, should she choose to run again in 2022, I would expect that she makes sure she wins that seat, no recount necessary. Dems don't realize the precarious position they are in right now. And as I spoke about in a previous episode, They overextend themselves once they have complete control of the federal government. They can't help themselves. And that, in the end, tends to break bad for them in following election cycles. So we'll see how this plays out. Like I said, I I expect the Democrats to go through with it. It wouldn't surprise me if Miller Meeks is, is thrown out on, you know, especially since we've seen two sham impeachments out of this Pelosi led. House uh, and the Democrats hold the House, and it's you know if they vote party lines, it's Miller Meeks you know gets tossed out. So we'll see how it goes. Keep an eye on that one, uh, friends in Iowa. Um, don't lo- don't uh, you know call your reps now and make sure they're not uh, they're not you know voting to to throw Miller Meeks out. She won this election; it was certified on account and recount. Uh, and she never trailed, uh, you know, so we'll see. It'll be an interesting, uh, interesting uh, hearing to watch here. The last segment of today comes via Representative Sean Patrick Maloney out of New York. He said that attempts to characterize Democrats as socialists is inaccurate and an attempt by Republicans to push voters away. Well, Sean. Why not prove us wrong then and vote against all the socialist crap your party is pushing through and trying to push through? By all accounts, it seems that party leadership has bowed to the socialist fringe of the party and all the social justice equity bills your Democrats are trying to ram through have nothing to do with the Democrats' embrace of socialism, right? You know, apparently Sean Patrick Maloney never learned that actions speak louder than words. So, Democrats not standing up and speaking out against free speech suppression shouldn't be counted as an embrace of socialism, right? They kind of stayed quiet and protect their their big tech allies and their their media allies and that that are you know censoring speech. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't construe that though as as an embrace of socialism, right? That that has nothing to do with it. You know, we hear Bill de Blasio in a, in a, um, a, a press conference just outright state his goal is to redistribute wealth. Well, 
when he says that, we shouldn't take that as a sign that Democrats are embracing socialism, should we? Maloney says we shouldn't. Probably seems fair to me, though, that maybe we should. But, you know, Sean, Sean Patrick Maloney's a enlightened uh, establishment uh, um, representative in, in the U.S. government. So yeah, maybe he knows more than me. I don't know. Uh, you know, when you have um, AOC classifying herself as a democratic socialist, and then the leadership of the party panders to her and her socialist ideology that she brought forth, that's not embracing socialism. You know, does Maloney think we really can't see what's going on? This seems like an attempt to start the narrative now to get ahead of it for 2022. The Democrats see the writing on the wall here of their socialist agenda and are now trying to get ahead of it, plain and simple. We all know that what Maloney is saying is deflection from what is really the Democrat Party agenda. They've thrown in with socialism. And that was a disaster in this last election cycle, and many of their uh, within their own party spoke out ab- about it. And it's going to be a disaster in the next one. People aren't stupid. They see the uh, ideology. They see the bills being put forth. They see what's happening here. And no matter what you say, Sean Patrick Maloney, to get ahead of it, people aren't, we're, we're not, Americans are not dumb. We see it. Now, if Maloney and the rest of the Democrats really want to convince us that they do not embrace socialism, how about by uh, starting by not voting the party line all the time? How about standing up against some of this stuff, even if it's something that your the party leadership is, is pushing? How about watching out for America first? If Sean Patrick Maloney wants to prove that Democrats do not embrace socialism, why not chastise AOC as a fringe ideologue in the party? Now, until we see Democrats turning from socialist ideology, it's left for us to assume that they indeed embrace socialism. It's a fair assumption based on their actions and the fact that uh, right now, or just about always, let's say, not that's an absolute, but most of the time as a politician's speak, you know, always assume the opposite is true. So we'll apply that here. And, you know, that we've got to assume here that Maloney is actually just doing what Democrats are best at, projecting onto others that which they are guilty of. Now, before I sign off today, I have a couple of resources uh, in books to check out here. A uh, couple of uh, uh, friends, you know, we, we interact quite regularly on social media. Um, so on a uh, give them a shout out here and, and help promote their uh, their work. Um, so the first one, I would recommend that you order Dr. Robert Mather. and He's an actual doctor. He's not like a Joe Biden doctor. He's an actual doctor of, uh, of um, psychology here. Uh, I, I, I recommend you order his new book. It's Implicit Biases and the Unconscious, Liberal Biases, Racial Prejudice, and Politics. It can be purchased on Barnes and Noble. Now, I recommend that you order your copy now, as who knows in this current political climate how long it will be available on Barnes and Noble. 
I am anxiously awaiting my own copy. I got my email to, today, and it uh, it's it's shipped. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting that to to arrive here. You know, and I I follow and interact with Robert regularly on social media, and always appreciate his common sense views on what is going on, you know, politically and just in in life in general. I'd say also check out his website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. Robert has a blog and podcast that can be accessed on his website that provide hard-hitting commentary that will get you armed with factual content for the next debate you encounter with a leftist. The other resource I'd like to highlight is a new blog by another friend of mine. They go by Gadsden1 on Parlor. Now, the first three blogs by Gadsden are full of common sense insight into our constitutional constraints on government, how reason has been thrown the way of yet thrown out the way of yesterday's leftovers, and the latest post on conspiracy theories. Check out Gadsden's blog. It's uh, gadsden1.simplesite.com. I will link Robert's and Gadsden's sites in the description box for today's show. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. As always, I greatly appreciate if you leave a positive review of the show, if your listening platform allows for reviews. Also, please subscribe to Living with Liberty and sign up for notifications. It will help us stay connected, and it will help more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending some of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. I would be grateful if you subscribed to my podcast and signed up for notifications. It'll help us stay connected. Follow me on my social media home on Parlor. My handle there is at Living with Liberty. I am also on MeWe. I can be found by searching Living with Liberty, and I have a Telegram channel. My handle there is at Living with Liberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.